It is Sunday, August 28th, 2022, at the time of this recording, and we are here, Bostopian News with Evan George, to break down the monumental, game-changing political atom bomb that has been rippling across Boston politics over this past week, and I am, of course, referring to the Suffolk District Attorney's race, which, up to this point, pinned current Boston City Councilor Ricardo Arroyo versus appointed Suffolk District Attorney Kevin Hayden. And before all the shenanigans, I viewed this race as being a fait complete. Ricardo Arroyo has it. He has it off of larger name recognition. He has it off of a much wider political network through both his time running for elections, his brother, his father, looking at cash on hand, month of July, Ricardo with $204,000, Kevin Hayden sitting at $130,000. Ricardo Arroyo formed really everything from the center to the left in terms of endorsements, a coalition. He had endorsements from Michelle Wu, Ayanna Presley, Elizabeth Warren, Ed Markey, Kim Janey, Sonia Chang Diaz, state reps, Nico Elgado, John Santiago, Russell Holmes, Sal Domenico, Boston City Councilors, Kendra Laura, Tanya Fernandez Anderson, Julia Mejia, Lucy Lujan, Gabriela Coletta, former ones, Tito Jackson. He did, up to this point, have Ed Flynn. We'll talk about that fallout. Not to mention Boston Teachers Union, Mahente. United Here Local 26, Progressive West Roxbury and Rosendale, Progressive Massachusetts supporting him. Line that up against Kevin Hayden, who really just formed the white conservative coalition. Congressman Stephen Lynch, city councilors Aaron Murphy, Frank Baker, State Senator Lydia Edwards. Again, all the conservatives, or, you know, leftists, as, you know, some of them see themselves. And then different city councilors across the area, former mayoral candidate Anissa Sabi George. So, you know, who you would expect. Fires Union, and in fairness, some other local unions as well, SEIU, Local 223, the International Brotherhood of Electricians, Sheet Metal Workers. But at least political, in terms of that reach, in terms of that network, Ricardo blowing the doors out with the endorsements. And then add on top of that, beginning of August, Kevin Hayden facing a massive corruption scandal where Kevin Hayden swept under the rug an incident involving a transit police officer who I believe while off duty pulled a gun on a man during a traffic dispute with that man calling 911 for help. And of course, he would twist on it. After calling 911, the person who approached him was that very same transit police officer, his name being Jacob Green, to which the victim screamed out, it was you, why did you pull a gun on me? Imagine calling 911, and the person who responds to that call is the very person who's put your life in danger that caused you to reach out. Kevin Hayden not only swept this under the rug, but also accepted a $225 political donation from Mr. Green and Green's attorney, which of course just smacks of open corruption. No other way to phrase it. And again, that was the dynamics of this race. There were calls for him to resign. He even had to announce a grand jury to himself, which, you know, I viewed as him waving the white flag and just covering his, his own career for whatever he decides to do next. But then 
the atom bomb was dropped by the Boston Globe. So for this episode, we're going to talk about what happened, go through the timeline. I will try to spell out for you as clearly as possible what these allegations were, the political fallout that has unfolded over the last, I'll call it a week or so, and then in what I will be doing for a second episode, we'll be focusing more on the Boston City Council dynamics, because this is completely ripping apart any cohesion that that political body had. But for that to make sense, we first do just need to have stated on the record what is going on with this incident. And I have just some more open thoughts that I was not able to express either on Twitter or through my videos, if you were able to watch it or if you weren't. But let's get into it. On Tuesday, August 23rd, writers Andrew Ryan, Andrea Estes, and Evan Allen, the Boston Globe, released an article titled, Suffolk DA candidate Ricardo Arroyo was twice investigated in possible sexual assaults. He says he was never informed. And I should mention that this article has been updated multiple times, so it is possible that was not the original title. It is also possible some of the things I'm going to share with you in here do not reflect what was written at the time. But the piece begins, a high school student told police in 2005 that she was sexually assaulted by her then-classmate Ricardo Arroyo now a candidate for Suffolk District Attorney, according to police and school records obtained by the Globe. Two years later, a second teenage girl reported to police that she believed Arroyo may have raped her after she got inebriated at a party, records show. The two cases were investigated separately by police and neither led to charges, according to the Boston Police Department spokesman. And it seems the Boston Globe was given these documents, and we'll get to that element in a little bit, probably a few days, if not a week, before this article was released. They reached out to Ricardo Arroyo for comment and clarification in what I believe was roughly a one-hour-long interview. He was also given the chance to have written responses to follow-up questions. And Ricardo said, I want to be clear, I never did what has been alleged then or ever. I was never made aware of either of these allegations. I was not questioned by either the Boston Public Schools or local law enforcement officials or disciplined in any way in relation to these allegations or otherwise. And before I continue, I just really want to emphasize that this is not a case of two alleged victims coming forward now to discuss an allegation that they're currently making against Ricardo Royal. that these are allegations that were made back in 2005, and I believe 2007. And for the first allegation, again, back in 2005, show that alleged victim A, which is how I refer to this person, told police that she and Arroyo had known each other since the sixth grade and were really good friends, and that while she was 17 and Arroyo was then 18, pressured her to perform oral sex on several occasions over the course of four to six months, and that the girl and her mother first brought these allegations to school administrators who referred the matter to the Boston police. Two de detectives visited Arroyo's childhood home on November 3rd, 2005, and spoke to his mother, according to a police report. Arroyo was not there, but, and this is again according to the reports that they have, he later spoke that evening to one of the detectives by phone who told her he planned to hire a lawyer, record show, which does create a contradiction to, again, what he stated to the Globe. And he reemphasizes, Arroyo denied last week ever speaking with law enforcement, quote, I know I would remember that, end quote. And now for this victim, the Globe reached out to her, and the alleged victim A did not respond to the Globe's request for comments. And of course, this person's name has not been made available. Also, the Globe makes sure to mention that they obtained the police and the school documents, however, not the full case files from, quote, 
from someone who had copies of these records. And we'll get more into that again in a little bit. For alleged victim B, this was a case when then 16-year-old told police in May of 2007 that she thought she had been sexually assaulted by a lawyer who at this point was then 19. The girl had been drinking at a house party on Geneva Avenue and told police she could not remember everything that happened. She said that after the party, she found herself barefoot in front of her home, unsure of how she got there, and that her private area hurt the next day. She said that she was, quote, not 100% sure if she was raped. When confronted with this by the Boston Globe, Ricardo said, and I quote, I was never contacted about this. I was never called about this. No woman has ever came to me about this. However... After the Globe has been in contact with alleged victim B, alleged victim B provided information that she received a Snapchat message from a friend saying her landlord was looking for a number to give to somebody named Ricardo. And then she had a screenshot of a Facebook message from Royo himself saying, quote, hey, it's been a long time. I need to speak with you. Can we talk? And now it's very important. And this was stated at the time of this article for alleged victim B said, and I quote, I did not speak to Arroyo because, like I told you earlier, I do not associate any assault from my youth with Ricardo. Continuing, for clarity purposes, Ricardo Arroyo did not assault me ever. I do not know who did or what happened. And to clear up the contradiction of Ricardo telling the Globe, I've never heard of this, and then messaging this woman five hours later, Arroyo later released a statement saying, quote, I realized that this may involve someone who I know, and I reached out to talk with her to try to find out more information. When we finally spoke, she informed me that she had already communicated with the Globe, that I had never assaulted her, that she had never accused me of anything, and never believed that I had. So what we have up to this point is two allegations made back in 2005 and 2007, where while at the time the police never pressed charges, it is, again, impossible for me to take a police investigation into sexual assault seriously. And what I mean by that is I would never believe any investigation into something like that by the Boston Police Department was done thoroughly with focused on the victims, especially when considering at this time, Ricardo Arroyo's father was a Boston at-large city councilor. That is just me applying a fair standard of how I view the police across everything. And of course, Ricardo being part of a very large political family, it is almost impossible to untangle to what extent pressure is exerted, either both in the past on these two alleged victims or today in the present. Again, that is just me applying a fair standard that I would do for any other situation. However, it is, again, very important just to keep remembering that this article was done without the permission of the victims, without the victims coming forward. And I'm going to play for you a statement made on behalf of one of these victims. But there's a lot of unethical behavior, not just on how these documents got into the hands of the Globe, and again, that's coming, but on the Globe reporters themselves. Them, the word is, I believe, harassing, is what it felt like to one of these victims, who, how they were being treated by the Globe. And again, she's going to make that comment or something very similar. That I'm going to play for you. And someone asked me, what would I have done if, you know, I get the mysterious email with the Boston police records and I can confirm that, yes, they are real and then reach out to a victim and the victim saying, this didn't happen. I don't really want you to go forward with this. I mean, I would like to say I would then not go forward. 
if I do not have the consent of the victims. However, I would also probably tell the person that whoever gave me these documents, they probably have the email of another reporter. So I would basically have my article written up. I would reference at the top that I originally declined to write this. However, once this other reporter published it, I now felt I had to. It's in the public space. It's news. And of course, I would immediately get fired by my publisher for not running with the story in the first place, which is, again, why I do this stuff for free and I'm not an actual paid journalist. And now I'm going to play for you the audio from a press conference on August 24th, where a lawyer representing alleged victim B stood alongside Ricardo Arroyo and gave this address. Good afternoon again. I'm attorney Bridget Miller-Cronin. I'm one of the attorneys representing the woman that filed a police complaint in 2007 that was prominently referred to in the Boston Globe article released online yesterday and in print today about city councilor Ricardo Arroyo. She is not here today because she is not a public person. She does not want her image or name to be used in any media reports. She also does not want to be contacted. I ask that the media respect that request for privacy. Please feel free to email her legal team with any questions that you have for our client. She has authorized me to read her statement today. I want to be clear that these are her words. After I read her statement, I will not take any questions. The Boston Globe reported that accused Ricardo Arroyo of rape. I want to be perfectly clear so there is no doubt. I can say this with absolute authority because I am the person who made that complaint. Ricardo Arroyo has never assaulted me. When I stated this felt like harassment to the Boston Globe, I was not speaking about Ricardo. I was speaking about the Boston Globe and how they approached me and how I felt they twisted the things I was telling them. I am hurt and angry. I believe the Hayden campaign is intentionally using me to assassinate the character of Ricardo Arroyo, who has never been anything but a friend to me. I was very clear with the Boston Globe from the very beginning that Ricardo Arroyo did not assault me. On August, on August 16th, I told the Globe that I do not associate anything that happened to me with Ricardo Arroyo. Despite me telling them this, the Globe continued to push me to say what they were alleging. On August 17th, I made it clear to them that Ricardo Arroyo never assaulted me. I am shocked, despite that somehow, they still included me in their story. I also want to share something I find deeply troubling. In July of this year, before the Globe contacted me, I was contacted by a man named Brian T. Gill, a former Boston police officer and now a private investigator. He told me and my father that I was going to be a part of a political scandal based on information that he had. I believe that he is associated with the Hayden campaign. It is clear to me that the only person who benefits from this illegal leak, this lie, and this political scandal, as Brian Gill put it, is Kevin Hayden. 
Leaking my records is a crime, and I will be exploring all my legal avenues in the coming days and weeks to address this harm that was done to me. Harm that I believe was perpetrated by District Attorney Kevin Hayden or his associates. Harm that violated me by making public indictment, public my incident, excuse me, without my consent and ignoring my truth. I am absolutely disgusted by what I believe to be the actions of the DA's office and the Hayden campaign. I am not a political person. However, this experience has made it clear that Kevin Hayden's administration cannot be trusted with the power they hold and that they are unfit to serve in that role. I ask everyone to join me rejecting these disgusting tactics by the Hayden campaign and to join me in supporting Ricardo Arroyo, who I believe is a good person who will support women like me. If there is ever a time to believe women, it is now. Ricardo Arroyo never assaulted me. In my opinion, the only person running for DA who has victimized me is Kevin Hayden. Thank you. And my God, is there so much to unpack there. But just to put a bow on the Boston Globe side of things, that alleged victim is very clear that she felt the Boston Globe was pressuring her, harassing her, and twisting her words to fit a narrative. That cannot be overstated and how clear of words she made that. But also, the many one of many bombshells she dropped was that she was first contacted, not by the Globe back in August 16th, 17th, when they probably got these documents, but back in July by a private investigator and former Boston police officer, Brian T. Gill. And there was a buildup to this for days before this article was released. I'm now going to go through some right-wing Twitter accounts. So this was, I believe, on the day, because I think it was published that evening or night, August 23rd at 7.30 p.m., one of the right-wing Boss Poly Twitter people who normally comment on my pages. This is what the person said, at Beantown241, quote, We knew the story was coming out. The Globe was sitting on it for three months, and then continues. But that really got me thinking, how does this low-follower, moronic right-wing account say so confidently, we knew this story was coming out? And then that made me go through some of the other right-wing crazies that we all have to deal with on Boss Poly Twitter. Erin Murphy's sister, who's quoting, again, one of these 76-follower accounts I can't really pronounce, tweet is, question for at Mass Bar. If a lawyer is caught lying about a major disciplinary event in his past, as well as about the nature and length of his legal experience in order to win votes in DA's race, will he lose his license to practice law? At Ricardo Arroyo will want to know. Again, August 22nd. This is from at Tony Fur 34621431, which, yeah, a lot of these are basically ghost accounts. This is from August 22nd. Quote, breaking. It has come to my attention that at Boston Globe, at Globe McGregory, may have had some damaging stories of Ricardo Royal's sexual assaults. And then goes on to accuse Marky Warren, Rachel Rollins, for putting pressure on the Globe to squash it. Again, how does this random account, days before this massive article gets dropped, knows that this is coming? Another one, the Boston First Responders United. That group that has been harassing Michelle Wu, the anti-vaxxers, the right-wingers, who have all these weird connections with a nationwide Make America Great Again campaign. 
I encourage you to go back to another former podcast I did a deep dive on. Here's their quote, August 21st, 3 p.m. Talk of Ricardo Arroyo allegedly sexually assaulting someone in high school has been around since 2019. How can anyone vote for him? Because Ricardo Arroyo has run for election multiple times. This has never come up. And the reason for that is because a minor's sexual assault allegation is such a sealed document that only two bodies would have access to it. The Boston Police Department and the district attorney. Who is our current district attorney? Kevin Hayden. And that is why that alleged victim B was so confident in saying, and Ricardo Arroyo referenced it in his statement that he made the night that this article was published. Michelle Wu was hinting at it on a radio program the following morning, was that, and I agree with them on this assessment, that this is very clearly a leak done by Kevin Hayden. And it looks like as far back as July. And again, for some reason, these right-wing crazies that have ins with Erin Murphy, she also released a statement on this. Again, we're going to get to the Boston City Council angle on the next episode. They knew this was coming. And for some reason, they keep referencing three to four months ago. Kevin Hayden has responded to these allegations of leaking. This is from a WCVB interview with John Atwater. Hayden says, quote, no, absolutely not. We couldn't. It would be illegal for us to do so. We cannot release any case files or any documentations of any kind in connection with any sexual assault whatsoever. We wouldn't do it in any case, and we certainly didn't do it in this case. And so my best read is Kevin Hayden used his powers as the acting district attorney to dig up dirt on Ricardo Arroyo. He found these two allegations from 2005-2007, knew that he can't just come out with it, so then probably hired this private investigator saying, here's what I know, you need to track down this information and get it from another source, not me just leaking the documents. Up till that point throughout July and throughout the middle of August, maybe the private detective was unsuccessful. I mean, the time to release this type of stuff is three weeks before the election, two weeks before the election, which again, this was done two weeks before the election. That is when you do the big heavy pieces. You don't do it three or four months ago, because then that gives the person time to respond. People forget. The news cycle evolves. That's why the right wing crazy is saying the globe has been sitting on this. As like a favor to him? No, no, no. If the Globe wanted to do a favor to him, they would have released this four months ago. But they knew this was coming. And my last comment on what we've discussed so far is whether or not Ricardo Arroyo, his license is in jeopardy. Because back in 2014, I believe, he signed his completed petition for admission. And this is for his law degree or for his law license on May 7th, 2014, and was asked, Quote, have you ever been charged with or been the subject of an investigation for a felony or misdemeanor other than a minor traffic charge? And Arroyo wrote no. And in a follow-up article from The Globe, this by Andrew Ryan, August 25th, titled Suffolk DA Candidate Arroyo Could Face Scrutiny for Alleged Emissions on Bar Application. Because remember, he stated multiple times that he was not aware of these allegations and he never spoke to a Boston police officer. Well... The documents that the Boston Globe obtained says that he did speak to a Boston police officer. And this is from Professor Arnold Rosenfeld, who served as the Massachusetts Bar Council from 1991 to 2000, saying, quote, there's a tiny bit of smoke, but I'm not seeing any fire. 
you know if you've been charged or indicted, but do you know all the time if you've been investigated? And that is also where I came down on this issue. I mean, I have been questioned by police multiple times in my life. To my knowledge, I can sincerely say that I have never been the subject of an investigation because I don't know if I was the subject of the investigation. That's not something that you would know. You only know that really, as again, this former professor said, if you've been charged or indicted with the crime itself. So again, my best rate on this, Royal probably did speak to a Boston police officer. You can always credibly say, I didn't remember, or I didn't know I was part of that investigation, or maybe I was questioned, but I didn't know I was a part of the investigation, or I don't remember being questioned, it could have happened. So there is a lot of ways of squeezing out of that, and I do not think his law license is in jeopardy. And as things stand now, because, you know, this is fell out of the news cycle for maybe 36 hours, some people began to pull their endorsements, probably most notably Ed Flynn, Boston City Council president, failed Senate candidate Joe Kennedy III, which is just hilarious, and I believe uh, one labor union so far. But the big hitters, Michelle Wu, Ayanna Presley, senators, every other Boston City Councilor who's endorsed him has really just maintained the line of, we'll see how this unfolds. Though Kendra has been a very strong defender of Arroyo, and I'll get to her statement in the unfolding dynamics in the next episode. As of this weekend, Frank Baker announced that he's going to subpoena these documents, to which Ricardo Arroyo, maybe 12 hours later, very politically astutely, came out in support of this measure. Because make no mistake, we will never see these documents public. You are never going to make a minor's sexual assault allegations documents made public. Cannot happen, will not happen. Frank Baker knows this. I think he's just doing it to keep things in the news cycle. But there's a couple Boston City Council dynamics that are going on as well. I love how much I'm teasing the next episode. So we're going to get to it then. And Ricardo Royo also saying, I want to see the documents because I know they'll claim it which, I mean, I haven't seen the documents, but is a great political move and could be a truthful one. These documents very could truthfully show, at least for alleged victim A, because alleged victim B is already very straightforward come forward saying this did not happen and I support him. And it's really Kevin Hayden in the Boston Globe who's harassing me. Again, alleged victim A does not want to come out and speak public. I would feel a little queasy looking at a 16-year-old's sexual assault allegation, and then picking it with a fine-tooth comb of what is truth and what is not. But sadly, and this is, I don't know, maybe one of two uh, final points I want to make, is that we do not have trusted institutions in our society to, one, investigate claims like this, or two, should the claims be proven credible, actually use restorative justice, not just to first focus on the victim, the needs of the victim, but then also on the perpetrator to repair the relationships, not just with the victim, but with society as a whole. We do not have either types of those institutions. And in lack of them, all we have is he said, she said, finger pointing, deny I'm the real victim, and you just fall in line with who do you support politically. And I'm not saying that this is exactly what's happening in this case. I mean, I think it is undeniable the night that this Boston Globe article came out, there was radio silence on Boss Poly Twitter because a lot of people 
who have come out in support of Ricardo. One, you don't want to amplify stuff like this because, again, you don't know if it's full of shit or not. Pardon my language. It looks very much like a political hit job. And so you don't want to reward that. But at the same time, you need to be able to speak to some things with integrity. And again, I'm not blaming anyone who wasn't shouting their views and takes from the rooftop. I think I sent out one or two comments because I'm fortunate enough that I have one foot in, one foot out, with I absolutely work in coalition with a lot of people from the center left to the communist left in Boston, and will continue to do so. But I also have one foot out in that I report and I do analysis on this type of stuff. And maybe just to circle back quickly about our failure of institutions, I would love to see a society where pretending these allegations were true, pretending that 15, 17 years ago, an elected official did do this. How do we handle that as a society? Do we think it means something about their character that can never change? Are some people just born good and evil and if we discover they did a bad thing, now we know what column to put them in and we can forget about them? Do we just focus on the damage that we need to now do to the perpetrator or do we focus on the needs of the victim? Love to see a society where we actually have an institution that can handle things like that. But sadly, I don't think I'm going to. And I made this point in the video. I probably referenced it on Twitter. But I am still encouraging people to support Ricardo Arroyo. Because ultimately, I still genuinely feel that he will be a much better district attorney than Kevin Hayden. On the issue of should children be charged as adults, Ricardo Arroyo says never. Kevin Hayden says depends. And guess what? There was an article in the Dorchester Reporter just a few days ago. 17-year-old hit their principal, which you should never do. But now Kevin Hayden wants to charge that child as an adult. Give them an adult's assault charge. This stuff matters. Ricardo Arroyo wants to get rid of cash bail. Kevin Hayden is on record saying it all depends. Ricardo Arroyo does not want civil forfeitures to go to the police because of how corrupt of a practice that is. Kevin Hayden supports it. These are issues that will affect tens of thousands, if not more, their loved ones, their friends, and all of us in terms of what sort of society we're going to live in. That to me matters infinitely more than my ability to assess should these allegations be true, does Ricardo Arroyo deserve to be our subject DA? The very few times I met Ricardo, he never came off well to me. Maybe it's an unfair statement, but I'll just make it. I don't really like the guy. I think he is like 99% of politicians who would like power, who wants the highest position possible. And I guarantee you Kevin Hayden is the same exact way. And the difference between them are the lanes they're running in, the coalitions they work aside, the policies they're going to enact. And Ricardo will simply be a larger force for good or a less damaging force for evil, take your pick, than Kevin Hayden will be. Now, how much will this affect the election? I have no idea. Again, as I mentioned in the first segment for this, I thought this was over. I thought Ricardo had it. Many reasons. This past weekend, I was at a cookout, community cookout. I was speaking to an older woman there. We, this subject came up. I asked for her thoughts on it. She began telling me that when she was younger, when she was around that age, she was sexually assaulted. And how reading about this just, you know, brought all of those emotions back and how she originally was 100% Ricardo, but now simply just might leave it blank. And her and I continued that conversation. But I think that is going to be very effective 
for, I don't just want to single women on this, but for a lot of women, just even hearing that this could be true will be enough to maybe leave it blank who otherwise would have went with Ricardo. Of course, voter turnout is going to be, what, 15, 20% if we're lucky? How many of those people will have even heard of this? Who knows? All these questions will be answered two weeks from now. And again, I'm going to get to the next episode where we talk really about the Boston City Council dynamics and what has been going on there and what has going to happen over the next few days with this whole subpoena stuff. And with that, I'm going to leave you. As always, support the show in any way you can. Five stars, write a quick review, posting it on social media, sharing it with your friends and family. That to me is always the biggest. Second, if you would like to financially contribute, send me a couple bucks for a cup of coffee or a beer. My Venmo is in my link tree. I'm always very appreciated of people who do that. I'm, I'm thinking about putting more energy into this podcast just because I know a lot of people enjoy it. Uh, the numbers are good. I think it's a unique voice and lens. And so might establish easier ways that people can financially support, but I don't ever, at least for now, foresee a time when I'm going to block any of my content just because I'd rather people just know it than not know it, to be honest. But yeah, support any way you can. And I hope you are doing well. And as always, have a great rest of your day.